Today, we are wrapping up our five-week teaching series entitled Lost and Found. Over this course of this series, we have journeyed through the parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15. We've looked at what it means to understand the heart of the shepherd, this amazing love of God for each and every person, for each and every individual, that he leaves the 99 to go and search for the one and to bring it back with rejoicing. We've talked in this series about how it's not enough just to say that God has this sort of heart, but as his followers, you and I need to develop the heart of the shepherd in our own lives, seeking to look and love those outside the fold. And today, as we wrap this series up, we are announcing a brand new initiative here at Covenant designed to throw our institutional weight behind your call to go out and love and to seek those outside the walls of this church. Now, before we get into what this initiative is, I want to take a couple of seconds to remind us of how we got here. If you were a part of Covenant in 2016, you will remember that we initiated the Opening Doors Capital Campaign. This was a campaign designed to eliminate the around $8 million of debt that we had as a congregation on our most recent building, the Fellowship and Education Building. We had an amazing team led by Charlie Betts, and we were able to, through God's grace, raise all of that money to eliminate the debt, which before the capital campaign was costing us about $300,000 a year from our operating budget just to service the debt. And when we raised this money, we made a promise to you all. The promise that we made is that the financial relief that would come from the campaign would be outwardly focused in the future, meaning that the money we saved, we weren't just going to spend on ourselves as a church, but that we were going to point out to how we're a love letter from God wherever we live, work, and play. And we were going to do so in two specific ways. The first is increased mission giving, giving through our local and our global mission partners. And the second was the creation of something new, the Institute for Missional Formation. And I'm proud to be able to say that we have fulfilled the promise that we made to you all. First, our mission giving. When you look at where we were the year before the capital campaign started to where our mission budget is now, it has grown by $200,000. If our pledging remains strong for 2021, it will increase again as we seek to love and to serve and to give to our mission partners who are lifting up the poor and the forgotten and the lost and the marginalized. We have a new mission director, which we didn't have before, that started out at a part-time position and now it's become a full-time position. But we also created the Institute. The Institute for Missional Formation was more abstract. And the Institute, we described it to you all, was meant to uh, solve what I believe is the preeminent problem that every single church and every single Christian in the United States of America, and actually in different countries around the world, is faced with today. The issue that we are trying to solve is this, is that for 200 years or so in the history of this country, the church has been built upon and is operated on a certain assumption. And the assumption is, if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. That there are enough people, there is a high enough percentage of the population that on Sunday morning is waking up and determined to worship, whether on campus or online, 
And that that is the feeder system into everything we do. That the worship service is where visitors come, where they visit. Uh, It's where we try to welcome folks. It's where we try to get to know folks. Hopefully, if they like it, they get involved in discipleship, a Sunday school class, a Bible study. And then they maybe go into missions in the end. and, And that's a mission trip somewhere else outside of the walls of our church for a week or so. And then we come back. But what we are facing in this country is that increasing numbers of people in Austin are no longer waking up considering being a part of a church. The vast majority of Austin is not thinking about us anymore. The vast majority of Austin, and this has changed rapidly, and in so many places around the country, and in younger generations, it is growing astronomically, are not thinking about this stuff anymore. The model is collapsing in front of us. Our competition isn't Austin Stone or or First Presbyterian or Westlake Hills Presbyterian. Our competition is jogging around Town Lake on Sunday morning. It's CrossFit, it's, it's, it's uh, on Sunday morning, it is going to Starbucks on Sunday morning, it's sleeping in on Sunday morning. This is the new norm, this is the growing majority. And everything will collapse around it if we don't figure this out. How else are lost sheep going to hear? How else are those outside of the fold going to hear that it's not their resume, it's not their accomplishments, it's not who they know, it's not what they've done, it's not where they went to school that gives them a sense of identity, that they are loved, that they are valued, that they are the beloved of God. Where else are we going to be led into what justice and reconciliation can look like if it's not something beyond ourselves? How else are we going to live out this calling? And what we talked about then was the need to become missional. Institute for Missional Formation. What does it mean to be the missional church? To go back to our New Testament roots to say that the the job of the church is not if you build it, they will come and we'll have a good children's ministry for you only, but rather that we will equip to send you out to live the gospel in your life. That, That God has placed you on this earth at this place in human history for a reason, for your life to make a difference. And our job is to equip and send thousands of love letters from God into Austin every single week, the thousands of people in the covenant orbit. We just never had to think this way before in the history of this country. When people ask me, okay, we've raised the money, so we've got the institute, so what are we going to do? The answer I had to honestly give to several of you on staff and several of you in the church is this. I don't know. I don't know. No one's doing this. People are writing about it. People are talking about it, but no one's doing anything. So we formed a task force, and this task force started looking at different ideas. We started talking to pastors in different churches in Austin and around the country. They were seeing the same problem we are, but we were like, so what are you doing about it? We don't know. We talked to seminary leaders. We talked to to, um, people in different sectors of of denominational leadership and, and ecumenical relationships, and everyone was seeing the same thing, and we don't know yeah, we got to become missional. How do you do it? We don't know. Let's have a lecture series because that'll solve everything. So what we did is we realized we're going to have to innovate here. We're going to have to do something that as far as we know doesn't exist anywhere in the country to seek to institutionally try to pivot towards this issue. 
We had a lot of different ideas that we talked about. We kind of approached innovation by having one big idea, something that would be so bold and so glorious that everyone would look at it going, that's the answer. That is the answer to this problem. So we talked about things like doing microloans at a mass scale in the city. We talked about how to use our property differently. We talked about could we renovate Eaton Hall but use it as a missional outpost in the city. We talked and had this task force of gifted women and men talking about several different ideas. And finally, in a conversation with Todd Bolsinger, who preached here a few weeks ago, Todd talked to us about a very different model of how to innovate. And it came from uh, uh, the business world. It came from the entrepreneurial world. And it's called the Lean Startup Method. It's been written up and talked about in places like the Harvard Business Review. The Lean Startup Method says that when organizations try to truly innovate, they usually do what we were doing, put all of their eggs in one basket for one glorious idea that solves all problems. But the thing they found is over 75% of the time, those ideas wind up failing and everyone leaves discouraged. The Lean Startup Method says rather that we need to experiment with lots and lots of little ideas. And we need to invest not so much in the idea, but in the people who have those ideas. We need to know those people and say, we can fan the flames of this happening in your life. And what we found is, as the task force sat with that, that those were the ideas that most excited us. Because we were looking at examples of what we wanted to do. You might remember, for example, when I shared in a sermon a couple of years ago about the King's Kitchen in Charlotte of a very successful restaurateur who in the end said, well, what if I tried to use my faith as a Christian to start my next restaurant? It's a boutique restaurant in Charlotte. I just happened to eat at one day. And instead of employing people the way we normally do, we're going to look for people recently released from prison or people who are just out of rehab and have very little job prospects. And we're going to bring them in and train them in the high-end restaurant industry so that they have skills that they can go out anywhere in the world and flourish. We talked about the ideas like Kristen Schell, one of our own members, who took a picnic table from her backyard and painted it turquoise and put it in her front yard so that it went from a place that was fenced in and none of her neighbors could see it or get to it and they have privacy to a gathering point in the front yard for community to come because she was seeing the incredible growth of isolation and loneliness that is a plague in our society today. And it became a gathering point for a community. And then it spread throughout Austin. So there's hundreds of these turquoise tables around. And then it spread through cities around the country. Or we might remember Doug and Thais Kilday, pictured here with office staff as they went for a year with one of our mission partners, International Justice Mission, to Cambodia. Doug and Thais and Naida and Lincoln and David for a year went over there and they used their skills, Doug and Thais, to work in the IJM field office combating human trafficking and slavery, standing against a darkness that has infected this world and is growing. Using their faith. And what we thought is, is that we shifted then. And the shift was rather than saying, let's take one of those ideas or something else and then build a big corporate model of it. What if covenant became an incubator for lots and lots and lots of individuals to explore these kinds of callings themselves? What if the next turquoise table, what if the next king's kitchen, what if the next IT idea that someone has that could shift problems in society exists right here? And we went from saying that the institute will create one big idea to saying the institute will support you. You're the idea. You're the plan. 
your training, your expertise to look at what's taking place in our nation, in our city, in our world, and to ask ourselves, how can I do something more than wonder who's going to take care of it or criticize the government for what they might be doing or not doing or posting about it on social media only? But what if you are the solution? What if you are the call? What if you are the response? We're going to invest in you, the thousands of gifted people in the covenant orbit, to experiment and try something new that you might be able to make a difference. This has led us to what we unveiled today, the Love Letter Fund. The Love Letter Fund. The Love Letter Fund described on our website, and you can go check it out through this link, and you need to. It talks about investing in people to make social change in Austin. We believe God is calling Covenant to be a love letter to the city of Austin by investing in people who can live out their faith and make positive social change. The Love Letter Fund provides resources to enable more people to live out Covenant's mission to follow Jesus where they live, work, and play. You can get involved in the Love Letter Fund. You can go learn more about it, and you need to, because I can't cover it all today. But you can go get involved, every one of you. You can do so in one of two ways. The first is you can apply for resources from this church to try out something new, to try out something different. If you have an idea or an ember of an idea or something that you wish you could get started, we will back you. We will walk with you. We can do it through financial resources. We have um, uh, gifts that are going to be given, some in very small amounts, some in amounts up to $100,000. We have resources to be able to pour into ideas so that you can experiment with how you can make a difference. You have up until December 13th to refine these ideas and to apply, and it's a very simple process to apply and start the process of seeing if you might qualify. If you're sitting there going, I don't know if this is even an idea. I, I have a thought. It's a, it's a question. It's a, it's a wonder. We want to talk to you. We want to fan the flames of it. We want to see where this can go. On top of financial resources, we have human resources to offer you to help your idea get off the ground. Members of this church, the thousands of people in the covenant orbit can sign up as mentors and they can come in and say, well, rather than hiring a lawyer to incorporate this idea, maybe we have an attorney here who can volunteer their time and do it. Rather than hiring a consultant for marketing this idea, maybe we have a marketing person here. We have all kinds of folks in the community. We will provide you with, with financial and human resources to fan the flames of what God might want to do in your life to make a difference. The second way you can get involved if you don't have something that you want to apply is that you can be one of these mentors. We need people in all different kinds of sectors of society to use your training, to use your skills, to use your experience, to be able to volunteer your time to become coaches and cheerleaders for these ideas. And we don't need pastors signing up for it. Nobody needs my help in starting a new idea because I don't know. I've worked here since I was in graduate school but you have the skills to mentor and help those to have ideas come alive. And we need you to go explore the site, to see what we're looking for, to sign up and to maybe give your time and your gifts. This is so different for how a church can operate. And it's only one way we're seeking to love the city. But it seeks to address this core issue of how those outside of the fold, that one sheep is going to hear the good news and know of the love of God. It must be through you. 
You know, when Doug and Thais went to Cambodia with their family, I had the same conversation over and over again with people in this community. In fact, I had it with a couple of people who were not part of this community. Non-Christians who heard what they were doing, supported their work. And it was, oh my gosh, I would give anything to go try something like that. To not just be in my job to make money, but to use it for this kingdom-oriented cause to alleviate an evil, a problem, a difficulty, an injustice. Now's your shot. Now's your chance to explore. Now's your chance to prayerfully discern. Now's your chance to see what God might do as we throw our weight behind our vision statement and seek to encourage you to follow Jesus wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you play. Amen.